Thank you, God, for this moment and for the beauty of that song we just heard that calls us to the beauty of you, our gathering God, our nurturing God, our God who calls us home, our God who calls us to the table and says, I know you're hungry, now eat. I know you're thirsty, now drink. Feed us now. Refresh us now. And then challenge us. Amen. I prayed a prayer just a few moments ago before this service. And I'd like to ask Reverend Janice to read this prayer for us. It's very short and very simple. But it speaks of a little bit of what's on my heart this morning. Eternal God, let me say what your spirit has given me in my heart, rather than that which would make pleasant hearing to those who represent the forces of all that is average. Thank you. All right. Wednesday, things are going pretty good. I had the sermon pretty well nailed down. At that point, I should have known we were all in trouble. (laughs) And yesterday, this sucker really began to shift and move on me. So what I'm going to share now is not real polished, and it's coming from a place that in some ways is a little raw, but it's coming from a real place. Yesterday at three o'clock, I participated in a memorial service, unlike any memorial service I've ever participated in. And let me say it didn't happen here. Didn't happen at this altar. Didn't happen in our chapel. This memorial service didn't happen at St. Anne's, and it didn't happen at Bering. In fact, it wasn't in a church. This memorial service was at Bricks too. And it was for the owner of Bricks too, who had owned that bar for 10 years, David Parker. It was amazing when I got there about 2.30 and, and watched people coming in from that community and from that neighborhood. People coming in from the east and the west and the north and the south. Hungry people. Grieving people, beautiful people, coming not to a church or a table in a church, but to a bar. And as I watched people coming in, I suddenly became shocked by what I began to feel inside. I found this element of judgment in myself that I didn't know was there and it awakened me and it shocked me. And a few of the folks as they looked at me in my collar, I saw their eyebrows go up a little bit. Like, what are you doing here? And it occurred to me that very sadly, 
There is incredible isolation in our community. And we label each other in these awful ways and these labels get all the way on the inside. And we find ourselves looking at each other and going, hmm, church person. Or, hmm, bar person. How sad is that? And while I was standing there wrestling with what was going on inside and listening to these voices, I found this other voice saying, well, aren't you just too good? When did you get so respectable? What happened to you anyway? And you call yourself a minister? And you're standing there judging? How dare you do that in the name of the gospel? Dwayne, maybe you've just grown up too much and become too good. How sad is that? And then I found myself thinking back to 1978. Too young to legally go into the bars. But I remember the first time I went. It was a sun dance in Kansas City, Missouri. And I snuck in. <laughs> but I thought back to that. At that point in my life, I was trying to figure out who I was. I was depressed. And I was honestly suicidal. And I can say right now, looking back, that that's where I came from. And the Sundance saved my life. You see, I had grown up in church. I was a good little church boy, a good little Nazarene church boy. I had my nice collection of Bibles. I knew Scripture. But I tell you what, when I was 18 and figuring out who I was and struggling with my identity, at that point in my life, the church couldn't save me. But the Sundance did. What happened? Labels. It's not just church people. And it's not bar people. When God looks at us, God just sees people. And God says, come to the table. We might say, well, what do I have in common with this person who's drunk at 3 o'clock in the afternoon? (laughs) What kind of respect is that showing to somebody to come up to a memorial service drunk? What do I have in common with that person? I'll tell you what we all have in common. We're all hungry and we're all thirsty and we're all people. And it's time to break down the isolation and the divisions. And before I left that place yesterday, I was proud to be there in the name of Jesus Christ, in the name of our God, and yes, in the name of Resurrection Metropolitan Community Church, which I hope is like no other church anywhere. Labels. They're so destructive. 
Tracy, could you tell us a little bit about what these labels do? We put labels on life all the time. Right versus wrong, success versus failure, lucky versus unlucky. It is very isolating to think in terms of us and them, of those who pass the test and those who don't. Isn't it our right to label and condemn? We certainly act as if this is the case. Even people who describe themselves as non-judgmental are quick to adopt the easy polarizing. Before we agree to listen to someone, we want to know if he or she is liberal or conservative, democratic or republican, gay or straight, hot or, God forbid, not. <laughs> All right, Tracy, I'm busted again. <laughs> I have to be honest, I find myself doing that all the time. I have this devotional that I read every day, and it's written by people from all kinds of different church backgrounds. But I have found myself getting into this bad habit of before I read the devotional, I see who wrote it and what church they're from. And if they're from a Methodist or an Episcopal church, United Church of Christ, I say, ooh, I'm gonna enjoy this. <laughs> I know they'll have something good to say. But if they're from more conservative backgrounds, and I see that, I kind of hold it out and go, ooh, I bet you I'm not going to like this. And I do the same thing when I read the paper, when I turn the editorial page. I look at, at who the columnist is. And some columnist, I go, hmm, wonder what she's going to say. She's going to kick a little butt today. I just know it. It's going to be great. And then there's other columnists I look and it's like, oh, do I even want to read this? Labels, judging. It's become so ingrained. And it leads to this isolation. It leads to all these separate tables. It, it even comes out in our humor sometimes. Like, have you heard the phrase, as nervous as a whore in church? <laughs> well, I thought of that and I've come to this conclusion. That phrase is more an indictment of the church than it is the whore. The church of all places needs to be a place that breaks through our walls, our nervousness, and our fears. And I hope that this is one church where someone can spend their Saturday night either reading scripture and praying and meditating, or if it's where they are in life, whoring, and know that they are still welcomed here. Amen. Amen. If they're not welcomed here, where is ministry going to happen? And I stood in the parking lot at Bricks yesterday after the service, and I, and I watched the balloons going up. And I saw the tears of those gathered there. And I realized that those gathering there at that moment were very much in need of a church. 
In a sense, Bricks was their church and was providing some real needs, and I don't judge that, but I thought, why aren't they at resurrection? What walls have we erected? And I saw one person in particular standing by himself, just weeping, watching that last balloon as long as he could. And I said, where were we? Where was resurrection for, for this person's entire life? Maybe we weren't there before, but we can be here now. Amen. And I went to him and put my arm around him. And I just said, God cares. God cares. There's a place for you. Tables. Is it possible that this table here actually has more in common with bricks than we might imagine? You know, bricks has a table too. It's called a pool table. (laughs) (laughs) But that pool table becomes sacred when people create friendships. That pool table becomes sacred when people discover community there. And who's to say that pool table is any less sacred than our table? Both are places of connection and meaning and life. And who are we to say that one is better than the other? Have we gotten too respectful? Maybe we've forgotten that MCCs actually started in bars in many cities because there was no church that would rent to them. Many MCCs were dreamed over a table with a cocktail in the middle. In fact, the very first MCC founded by Troy Perry came to him while he was dancing in a bar in Los Angeles. Oh, we've come a long way, baby! Or have we? Or have we? This whole thing has gotten me to thinking about what it means to take back the table, our theme. Again, Tracy, if you could help us understand what it means to take back the table. To take back the table is to see the table as a place beyond isolation that liberates and unites. We are liberated from fear, from labels, and from judgment. We are united by our new ability to see Christ in each other. Just thinking about that leads to all these redefinitions, causing us to think about things in a new way. If we think about the table in a more open way, a more inclusive way, a more loving way, a less judgmental way, it also leads us to think about ministry in a different way. And I found myself thinking that yesterday. Again, there at Bricks 2, I was thinking, who is a minister anyway? And what qualifies a person for ministry? I was thinking of the life of David Parker, someone who was defined not as religious, but as spiritual. And it occurred to me that he had provided a place for community to come together. He'd provided a place where life could happen. A place of joy and growth for many people. And even though he never attended resurrection to my knowledge... He ministered. 
So what qualifies a person for ministry? How many scriptures do you have to learn? How many years do you have to go to seminary? What really qualifies for ministry? And I know that I'm rubbing some of folks the wrong way right now. And some folks are saying, okay, uh, prove this to me in the scripture. Show me where it talks about what ministry really is and how you don't have to do all this to be a minister. And I turn to the scripture and this is what I found. This is what qualifies a person for ministry. From Matthew 25. When I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was a stranger, you gave me welcome. When I was naked, you gave me clothes. When I was sick, you gave me care. And when I was in prison, you gave me a visit. According to those qualifications, David Parker was a minister in this community. It makes me wonder how well do I qualify and how well do we qualify? What qualifies us for ministry? It's loving, it's ministering from in here. Not from here. I can polish this collar until it just gleams. But it's not going to make me a better minister. This is not ministry. This is ministry. This is compassion. This is where it really is. Are you ready to minister? You ready to open the table? I have a vision of resurrection being like no other church. I have a vision of resurrection being a place where people can come exactly where they are. That if someone is a long-term Christian and has lived their life in the name of Christ, that they can come and grow in that faith while sitting right next to a person who stumbles into church thinking about the next drink they'll have when they get out. That somehow we can meet at the same place. That's real ministry. A place where we can be who we are and grow from there. Become who God's calling us to be. A place where people can come and know they will be welcomed. I've been reading some statistics. Do you realize how deeply crystal meth is particularly taking over the gay male community. I don't know of too many churches that are willing to say, even if you have crystal meth in your bloodstream, you can come here and know you will not be turned away. If the statistics are true, there's about 30 men here today with crystal meth in their bloodstream. Know that this is a place where you can bring your struggle and not be turned away. In fact, as I looked at the ministry of Jesus, I see Jesus as someone who spent a lot of time with those who had a label on them. Jesus spent a lot more time outside of church than inside church. My vision for us is that we would be a place that brings all this need together, knowing that God is doing something powerful here 
that will ultimately change lives and change the world. Take back the table. Eat, drink, offer food, offer drink. Love, be loved. That's my vision of resurrection. Let's take back the table. Amen. And if you're comfortable, take the hand of someone nearby. First, God, I want to ask for you to forgive me. Forgive me as the pastor of this church for standing in judgment of others, even for a few moments. And then, God, I pray for us that you would help us to be the church you're calling us to be. And I pray, God, that you would take down the barriers that we've created ourselves. The divisions between bar people and church people. The divisions between black and white and brown. The divisions between poor and well-to-do. The divisions between liberal and conservative. God, all the barriers that we have erected around our table, take them down through your spirit and forgive us. Forgive us the labels that we have imposed on ourselves that have become limitations for true ministry. We confess this, God. We confess that at times we have been too good for our own good. We confess that we have not always listened. Move us away, God, from the labels and the isolation to truly reclaiming the table that you've designed for all of us. Jesus Christ, giver of grace, have mercy on us as individuals. Jesus Christ, giver of grace, have mercy on this your church. Jesus Christ, giver of grace, have mercy on your world. And hear the prayers of your people who pray. All right, something came to me that we've never done before. It's going to be logistically difficult, but I believe it's important. I've talked today about what it means to no longer be isolated, about the importance of finding the power of the table and taking back the table from all that has blocked it. I would like us to visualize that this morning and make it real. So I would invite all of you this morning who are physically able to begin to move as close to the table as you can. Completely fill up the front. I would invite some people to stand behind me here. Get as close to the table as you can. Let's fill all the way in so people from the back can get as close as possible. We've got room on the sides. Get as close as you can. There's more room on the sides, and I think there's more room behind. So just take a moment and just watch, watch the movement. It's powerful. 
it really shows what God's calling us to do. People coming together from the east, the west, the north, and the south. Get as close as you can. And those of you who are not physically able to come to the table, come in spirit. As close as you can. Wow. Who are we? Who are we? I stand before you proudly as a bar person who is also a church person. Amen. Amen. Both of those. There is no more powerful symbol than this because this represents giving and feeding and receiving. We have been isolated for too long. Sometimes I feel like we're this church over here in the heights, protected behind these walls. Yet there is so much ministry waiting for us. And I wish you all could see what I see at this exact moment. Because I see beauty, I see giftedness. I see black, it's beautiful. I see white, and that's beautiful. I see different languages, different ideas. I see conservative, I see liberal. I see quiet, I see buoyant. (laughs) But I see sacred. We are the people of God at the table of God. And those of you who are at the table, if you could just touch it right now. Touch the table. And then each one of you touch the person in front of you. We are all connected. We've taken back the table. And we're never letting it go again. And now as a community, just speak out what this table means to you. Forgiveness. Unity. Family. Perseverance. E pluribus unum. The many become one. Commonality. Diversity. Justice. This is God's table and this is our table and God is teaching us what this table means. God is teaching us how to eat. God is teaching us how to drink. God is teaching us how to give food. God is teaching us how to give drink. God is teaching us how to love. And God is teaching us how to receive love. Go now in peace. In the name of God our Creator, Jesus Christ our Savior.
and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.